Welcome to episode 30 Yep. of Don't Leave the House. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for letting us get this far. <laughs> Yay. I know. That's absolutely insane to me. And, I mean, I know we literally say that probably every episode, but... Guys, still. we didn't think we'd make it past 20 listeners, first of all. Yeah. So... So Please. every episode we make it, we're more and more grateful. <laughs> yes. So just, we're going to drill that into your heads forever and just get used to it. Yep. Don't complain. Um, we, we have nothing this week. As we far have as no updates. updates. We were very boring. It's been, honestly, it's been a like stressful week, so. Yeah, I, it's just been stressful and busy and I'm just bleh at this point. So I, this freaking gnat is driving me insane. Sorry. Um, anyways, um, so I don't. I guess I've kind of just been like on a haunted type theme. I don't know. Maybe it's because we're in fall now and getting to Halloween. I don't know. But so I did a haunted plantation and then I did the haunted boat and now I'm doing a haunted hotel. If you don't know this hotel, you live under a rock. And I don't know why you're listening to this podcast. Honestly, <laughs> I've just yeah. Okay, um, fair enough. <laughs> I am doing the Stanley. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I know probably everybody knows this story, but it's a good one. It's a classic. Stephen King obviously did it way more justice, but um, my in-laws did go here, and I remember them telling me about all of this crazy shit that happened to them when they were there, and I personally have never been there. I really don't know if I have the desire to go. <laughs> part of me wants to, and then the other part of me is like, meh. Like, well, I'm just going to don't leave my house. Because mom went there, right? With Papa Chad? I don't know. I'm pretty sure they spent the weekend there or something like that. But Maybe. I don't know. I. Uh, it's so, it's beautiful. Like, I have a friend who actually just got married this weekend and got married at Estes Park, and I mean, it's absolutely gorgeous, but spending the night there, I'm good. No, thank you. Um, so, in 1903, pause. Hold, please. <laughs> and we're back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah, our mother... She, apparently she's decided that she's just going to call us every night, every Sunday night when we do this. Seriously, because you guys don't know this, but she called and interrupted Amanda last week and literally just called me just to say she loves us and <laughs> tell me that her dog was underneath her bed. And she's like, oh, I didn't know you were doing a podcast. <laughs> like, mom, literally we do the <laughs> same thing every for, week for, <laughs> for 30 weeks months. now. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Our mother. Anyway. We love you, Mom. Um, okay. I don't even know where I was at, so I'm just going to start over because I know I wasn't very far. <laughs> okay. So, we're in 1903. Um, Freeland Oscar Stanley has gotten tuberculosis. Um, so, at this time, the best treatment for tuberculosis was fresh, dry air and a lot of sunlight. So, where's the best place for that? Colorado! Which is so very true because it gets hot and it's 
fresh for the most part. We have depending good on clean air, are. especially, you know, in comparison to a lot of other places. Right, especially if you're up in the mountains and stuff. I mean, trees, that helps. Um, so him and his wife moved to Colorado. Um, he ended up recovering by 1907, so it worked. Um, though he was a bit disappointed in the rustic accommodations and the lazy pastimes of the town that he had stayed in, which was lazy pastimes. <laughs> you were the one that made the, t- Never mind. Carry on. Yeah, I don't know. But so he was <laughs> like, okay, this is really beautiful, but it's a little boring. So we're going to vamp it up a little bit. So he decided that he was going to make it into a resort town. So that's when he began construction on the hotel in 1907, and it was fully finished by 1910. Um, He ended up selling it at one point in 1926 to people just like help him run it, and then that didn't work out, so he bought it back, and then he ended up selling it again in 1930. Um, Up until 1983, the hotel was only open through the summer um, and always closed for the winter months. So if you know, if you've seen the movie, I'm pretty sure that was the thing. It was like really empty because they were about to shut down for the winter or something like that. I don't remember specifics, but probably something similar. Um, Well, that's what happened to Stephen. Spoiler alert. When he stayed here. Um, But we'll get to that. Uh, So fun fact. um, So the hotel really helped obviously like bring a lot of money to Estes Park and all of that Mm -hmm. but it also like contributed to the creation of the Rocky Mountain National Forest Hmm. yeah that's interesting I know I thought that was cool um so Stanley lived to the ripe age of 91 dying of a heart attack in Newton Massachusetts one year after his wife had died in uh, 1940 the apparition of Mr. Stanley has appeared to guests checking into the hotel. So, he still guests, greets all the guests. I think that's sweet. Um, <laughs> that's kind of cute. Like, can you imagine this tiny little old man ghost, like, Welcome to my hotel I built. That's okay. You're adorable. Um, and then his wife can be heard playing the piano in the concert hall, which I think is cool, too. Um, so... Everything from shadowy figures, eerie laughter, flickering lights, and items moving on their own can be found at the Stanley. Um, Another fun fact, apparently the ghosts there really hate vacuums. Okay. So, like, they, like, freak them out almost. So, like, every time somebody tries to, like, clean or vacuum, the vacuums will start going crazy. They'll turn off or, like, the plugs will just come out of the walls. Like, they just do not like them. I don't know like why. on, on like, uh, is it on Ghostbusters or Casper where they vacuum up the ghosts? Probably both because isn't that the <laughs> oh, Ghostbuster yeah, the, like, thingy? Yeah, the. But I think they do do that on Casper too, though. I'm pretty sure they do at one point. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> so, I just thought that was a fun fact. Um. So, as for some of the haunted places. Um, so room 217 is, um, so in 1911, during a large storm, 
Um, Mrs. Elizabeth Wilson, um, who was the head housekeeper, was lighting the lanterns in the room when there was an explosion. Um, she Ooh. was blasted through the floor into the McGregor dining room below her and miraculously survived with just broken ankles. Jesus. So I just imagine her like following like stiff legged almost and just like her ankles just like shattering and oh how painful seriously but i mean woman you're alive right Um, i mean yeah but when she did die um she decided to spend her afterlife still taking care of the room um guests have reported items moved luggage unpacked and lights being turned on and off she's very old-fashioned um and she isn't a fan of premarital sexual things um, or even guests sleeping in the same bed if they're not married. Um, so some couples have reported feeling a cold force come between them when they're sleeping. You Yeah. Um, when they wake up, they often find that uh, the man's things have been packed with his luggage by the door. <laughs> you get the fuck up out of here. Right? Like, um, no, no, you need to go. <laughs> um, actor Jim Carrey stayed in this room. Um, when the Stanley Hotel was being used for the filming um, of Dumb and Dumber. I hate that movie. I've only seen it a couple times. I don't recall it being in there. but They were there. Okay. I Just briefly. Because they're like traveling, you know. Oh, you know what? Maybe I do remember. I don't Unpopular opinion. I really do not like Jim Carrey. Sue me. I love him. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> he reportedly got so spooked that he ran from the room half naked in the middle of the night. And some of the never mind. Go ahead. I know exactly where you were gonna go with that. (laughs) You didn't even have to say it, so it's fine. (laughs) Um, some of it's like Ozzy. He sees things all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the film crew also got the creeps in that room. Um, there's also the vortex, which is. So there's like this huge stunning staircase between floors in the hotel's lobby that has been dubbed the Vortex. Um, It's a tornado of spiritual energy, sort of a paranormal portal for all the ghosts that visit the hotel. So guests report cold spots and feeling dizzy on the stairs as though something has just walked right through them. I don't like that. No. Um, Orbs and distortions have been caught on camera. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Stanley have been seen hand in hand watching over the hustle and bustle from the grand staircase. Oh, that's so sweet. They're literally like, I just feel like they're the nicest ghosts ever. They're cute. They're the ones you want to see just because they're cute. Exactly. Um, That's like couple goals. Yeah. Like you're literally still together in the afterlife. Right. That's holding hands. Uh, Oh, come on. Oh, all goals. (laughs) Anyways, uh, where was I? Um, okay, so the concert hall. So um, so he also went by F.O., for the record, Mr. Stanley. Why? That His name was Freeland Oscar. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. My fault. Um, so F.O. built this room as a gift to his wife, which is probably why she's seen a lot of the time in there playing the piano. Right, it was her room. Yeah, and that was her room. Um. Besides her, another spirit fond of the concert hall is Paul. Um, Among other duties, Paul used to enforce the 11 p.m. curfew in the hotel's early days. 
And so now guests and employees report hearing someone telling them to get out late at night. Um, a construction worker was doing some work on the floors in the concert hall when he felt someone nudge on him several times until he finally left. Like, excuse me, sir. Like, I told you, you need to get the fuck out. <laughs> it's late. <laughs> um, Paul is a big fan of the tour groups also, often flickering their flashlights upon request. Uh, blah, blah, blah. So the fourth floor, honestly, this is probably the creepiest place to me. Um, so guests staying on this floor report hearing kids running around laughing, giggling, and playing. No. Um, the closet doors tend to open and shut on their own. Originally, the entire fourth floor was, like, just, like, this big empty attic, but then later it became, um, lodging for the female employees, children, and nannies. Um, so the spirits, so there wasn't ever, like, any reported deaths of children, but I mean... If Energy a child died, up, yeah, or, like, if somebody, if a child died and that was their biggest memory or something, you know, obviously, there's other reasons. Um, but, the, so, the spirits obviously aren't limited to adults. Um, tour guides say that the, the ghost of a child with autism also roams the grounds and is known to play with the hair of guests. Interesting. Yeah, so. That's pretty specific. It is. It's so very specific. It's creepy. Um, staff says that the boy is named Billy and he is drawn to people who work with people with autism or are familiar with the developmental disorder. That makes me want to do research and see if we can figure out who this Billy is and why he might be there. Right? Because, yeah, I don't, we should look further into that because now I'm intrigued. Um... Room 428 specifically has reports of the sound of footsteps and the furniture moving about, um, but the real haunt is a friendly cowboy who appears at the corner of the bed. Um, so, I mean, we're in Colorado, back in the day, a lot of cowboys. So a lot of them spent the night um, at the Stanley um, over the years, but there are no indications of one specifically dying in the building again. Um, those that know their Estes Park history believe this to be the spirit of Rocky Mountain Jim Nugget. Jim Nugget. Wasn't he in one of the songs that we did on Colorado Day or whatever? I don't fucking know. I just feel like I know that name. Um, that's interesting because I don't feel like I know it at all, but I like it. Okay, well, maybe that's why we're the Nuggets. Well, no, that's Gold Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's all for this one guy. Yes. Jim, it's all for you, my friend. Um, this is especially because he mostly appears to the ladies, sometimes giving them a ghostly kiss. No. Please Fuck don't. off, bro. Yeah, please don't. Inappropriate. Yeah. No. I said no. Um, then there's the Ice House, which I just told past. You skipped so, right through yeah. that. We didn't care about that at all. Nope. Okay. So... This is now a museum of old Stanley cars because... I don't think I mentioned this, but he um, he was the co-inventor of the Stanley Steamer vehicles or whatever. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so some of his original cars are now in there as a museum, um, and two ghosts have been seen in there. Billy is one of them, and that's where he likes to show up in pictures. Hmm. Um, the Pet Cemetery, which... If you know Stephen King, 
you know, that one too. I have personally never seen that movie because in, I think we've talked about this on here before. I honestly just thought it was a bunch of like demon animals and that scares me, but I don't know. Maybe one day I'll watch it. I should. I don't know. Um, but before all of the Stephen <laughs> King hubbub, um, there really was a pet cemetery on the property. Um, so now there are two specific animals that are seen to still be there. Cassie, the golden retriever and Comanche, Comanche, a fluffy white cat. Um, Comanche, probably Comanche. Yeah, you're right. Um, have both been seen and heard all around the property, which I think is cute. I want a ghost puppy. Um, there are also underground caves. Um, so if you take the 75 minute historical Stanley night tour, you'll get an in-depth look at the underground cave system beneath the hotel. Um, the caves have a high concentration of limestone and quartz, which believe, which some believe help capture paranormal energy. Yes. Which, that's literally what Colorado is made of, I feel like, <laughs> is limestone and quartz. <laughs> Pretty much so. <laughs> so, we're just fucked. Um, it has been used by, there was a shit ton of quartz at Penitente Canyon, now that I think about it. Yeah? Yeah? Sorry, that was Limestone too, head. really. Yeah, there was a lot of both. Because those big rocks that we stood on was all limestone. Yeah. Dude! Mind blown. Okay. <laughs> um, she interrupted I? herself just then. <laughs> I really did. Um, I don't even know where I am now. Uh, okay, so it has been used by employees to get around the hotel, and it would seem that at least one of them is still down there. Current employees say that the smell of home-baked goods linger in the tunnel mm. for no apparent reason. It's probably because they were running it from place to place. Right, so it probably system. like leads to the kitchen at some point, or right? Something. Um, there's you also... know, like the hospital when you go through the yeah, yeah, you go through specific <laughs> guys. When Amanda was pregnant, we spent a lot of time in the hospital. Dude, it's pretty much my second home at this yeah. point. Like <laughs> I, I well, do the hospital like the back of my hand. And then my husband was just in there for his spinal surgery not that long ago, and he was in there for like a week. Yep. And I'm pretty sure we know like every wing of that hospital. Oh though. yeah, for sure. Um, there's also a gray cat seen stalking about with bright green eyes. Um, he is known, not known to be from the pet cemetery, so perhaps he came from wherever the mysterious tunnels lead to. I don't know. He was not very specific. Um, now we're going to get into good old Steven. Um, so in 1974, Steven and his wife were living in Boulder, Colorado. Why didn't I know that? That's weird. I don't know either because I've been to Boulder so like once a year at least for 12 years. Well, and I love Stephen King, so I think it's weird that I didn't know that, but it's fine. Yeah. Um, so he was in like a writer's slump um, and he had heard about the hotel and so they decided to go there for inspiration. Um, well, apparently he found plenty. <laughs> you think? Um, <laughs> and at this point, the hotel was actually doing pretty bad too, so it... Hey, cool. both parties. Um, they found themselves the only guests that night as the next day the hotel was closing for the season. Um, they were served dinner in an empty room with chairs on every table but theirs. Tabitha retreated to their room number 217, which I talked about if you guys don't remember. Um, 
Wild King wandered the long, empty corridors listening to canned music and visited the bartender, Grant Grady, in the hotel bar. Um, the Stanley Hotel's remote location, grand size, and eerie dis- desolation? Yeah, desolation. Yeah. Um, had King's imagination running wild. He even claims, quote, it was like God had put me there to hear that and see those things, end quote. Yeah, I would say so. Um, in a retelling about that night, King said, quote, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk, sweating all over, within an inch of falling out of bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in a chair, looking out the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of The Shining firmly set in my mind, end quote. That would be a horrifying dream. First of all, what the fuck? Like, I just see little Danny, though, like, running through the hotel. I know, that's the first image that popped into my head, but then he threw me with the giant fire hose. Yeah. I mean, it's all just I mean, it's Stephen King, but... Yeah. I mean, the man is... He's genius, but also crazy. (laughs) Um, And then I was going through some... Much love. Yes. Uh, We respect you, sir. Um, I was going through some other people's, like, experiences, um, and I found one that I thought was just needed to be told. Um, so this is on floor 400, which I didn't like. Right. Um, so this is room 401. Um, this is all a quote. So a male ghost who some believe to be an Irish man named Lord Dunraven is reported to be in this room. Although he never visited the hotel in life, as it was built 20 years after he left Estes Park, it was built on land he once owned. In the closet, women feel their hair being played with, an arm around their shoulder or waist, or a hand moving up the back of their leg. Men don't feel particularly welcome in this room, sometimes as they have felt someone is pressing them into bed or their jewelry disappearing. This was the room where Jason of the Ghost Hunters television television show uh, had his drinking glass, which was set on the nightstand, implode while he was sleeping. The closet door also opened and closed on its own in the show. End quote. You know what, sir? You are rude. Don't fucking touch me. Especially like that. You are disgusting. I don't Ugh. like that floor. No. I don't like it at all. Why would anybody mm-hmm. stay up there? Why would anybody stay in this hotel? Period. I would go there to say hi to the little old people, and then I would get the fuck out. Yeah, like, go take a picture at the top of the staircase and then go. <laughs> yeah. Like, all I need to see are the cute little old people, and then I don't need Keep to see the rooms and all the creepy children, and no, thank you. I'm good. No. So, some fun little hometown history for us. Ugh. I like it, but I also hate it. Oh, I hate it too. But it also makes me want to go watch The Shining. Yeah. And then, I, like I said, it kind of, like, part of me is like, yes, I want to go there. And then part of me is like, absolutely not. Right. See, that's the thing. Like, I would never, ever, ever spend the night. I don't think you could pay me enough to spend the night there. I would go there during the daytime when there was a light out. I would. And go to, like, certain areas, maybe. I would definitely prepare myself to not sleep. Oh, yeah. If I planned to be there overnight. There would be no sleeping involved, for sure. Yeah. No, no. No. Ugh. Creepy. Okay, this week I wanted to talk about 
the Branch Davidians. I am so freaking excited. I say that a lot about your stories, but oh my god, I love David. I love me some David. Yes, and I wanted to try to talk about, because everybody knows Waco. Everybody knows the story of Waco. Right, we've talked about Waco multiple times, I feel like. Not because we're obsessed with We really are. It's so infuriating. uh, On both sides. On both sides. But, um, I, you know, I don't feel like anybody really knows what they believed per se. It's always more talked about, you know, David's craziness and his guns and, you know. Right. And it, I mean, cause I personally, all I know is just like the true crime, true crime part of it. <laughs> Jesus. It sounded like you were saying crouton. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck was coming out of my mouth. <laughs> I, I had a aneurysm or something. I don't fucking know. It's fine. Um, but I I want to know more about David and the cult part of it for sure. Okay. Well, I guess we'll get started. <laughs> so we start out with Victor Hotef, I believe you would say. Okay. Um, he immigrated from Bulgaria and he was a Seventh-day Adventist. He, however, was rejected from the church after he wrote a series of pamphlets called The Shepherd's Rod. He wanted, basically what he did was he wrote a bunch of stuff because he wanted changes made to the church. Okay. Um, after he was rejected, he, he moved to Waco, Texas, where he built a compound called Mount Carmel Center with his followers to await the second coming of Jesus. No, that was the same one, right? Uh, no. Well, yes and no. <laughs> same spot, but they like, we We'll get there. Okay. But yes, guys, if you are confused <laughs> at all, David was not the founder of this. No, he was not. So, it was always, you said it was always called the, the branch of Davidians, though, right? Well, at first, he was just a Seventh-day Adventist, but he kind of wanted to start his own thing because he wanted, he believed it should have been handled a little differently, and his belief system was slightly different. I think it was more, um, I want to say proactive, but that's not the right word I'm looking for. It was more, like, open to things, you know what I'm saying? Like, Okay, yeah. No, I got you. So, yeah, I think they just kind of were like... All right, you need to go. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, fine, I'll go start my own thing. Um, after he passed away in 1955, his wife Florence took over. That same year, one of Victor's followers by the name of Benjamin Roden, he called himself the Branch, hmm. which was in reference to Isaiah 11.1, 1, in which they talk about a branch coming up from the stump of a Jesse tree and bearing new fruit. Okay. I don't know if he was trying to say, like, oh, I'm going to take his place and, like, rise from his ashes. And I'm going to bring all of this great shit. Yeah. That's exactly what that sounds like to me, honestly, if I had to interpret that. Yeah. So he came and he called for the people to come to uh, Mount Carmel and hear his message. And then the group became known as the General Association of Davidian Seventh-day Adventists. That's a mouthful. It is. Jesus. <laughs> Glad they uh, shortened that down a little bit. 
So two years after that, in 1957, Florence sold Mount Carmel. She then bought 941 acres of land northeast of Waco near Elk, Texas. Okay. This was called New Mount Carmel Center. Florence set the group in preparations for the apocalyptic second coming that was coming in April of 1959. I think she said it was the 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) Okay. Uh, when this apocalyptic prophecy failed her, she basically was like, yeah, okay, so I fucked up. I'm going to go ahead and just go now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, that didn't work. Yeah. Oh, God. So in 1962, she sold most of Mount Carmel to Benjamin Roden and his family. When Benjamin passed away in 1978, his wife, Lois, took over (coughs) as prophet. And though some of the followers looked at George Roden, the son, as their leader. (coughs) Oh, gosh, sorry. What is happening? I don't know. Sorry. (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. We're good, I think. So, I don't know why they would have looked at the son. I don't know. The family was the leaders, but then when he died... Some saw the wife as the leader, others saw his son as the leader, probably, but the misogynistic ones. Uh, Yeah, and I mean, David was one of those misogynistic people. He was, but he wasn't here yet, so. Well, yeah, I'm just saying. Foreshadowing. In 1981, a man named Vernon Howell joined the group, and he was studying underneath Lois, who he ended up being involved with, even though he was 40 years younger than her. He was in his late 20s. She was in her late 60s by this point. Huh. Vernon wanted to have children with Lois because he believed that if he did this, his child would be the chosen one. And I'm sorry, you just said that she was in her late 60s? Yes. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> if she hasn't already been through menopause. Well, when she passed away, her son George, with Benjamin, mm-hmm. he took over... But everybody was like, no, we think we're going to follow this Vernon guy. Oh, wow. And George was like, "Um, excuse me, no. (laughs) And so he basically challenged him, and he literally went and exhumed a body and was like, okay, if you're so fucking great, raise the dead, bring this guy back to life. Oh. And Vernon was like, actually, you just exhumed a corpse, so now I'm going to call the police on you. (gasps) bastard oh my (laughs) god (laughs) yeah so authorities were like okay cool but we need proof that this happened (laughs) so on november 3rd they let him rebury the body (laughs) i guess i don't know (laughs) on november 3rd 1987 vernon and his followers raided mount carmel they were heavily armed And they claimed that their only mission was to find evidence of George's crimes, even though they did not have any cameras, they just had guns. (laughs) It honestly looked like they just wanted to take their land back. They just wanted Mount Carmel back because George was like, this is my land. And Vernon was like, no. Yeah. (laughs) But I thought they sold it. They, the one, the 970 some acre one, the new Uh, Mount Carmel. Oh, so they're not the one in Waco. The one in Well, I mean, it's. Oh, it was still in Waco, but it was closer to Elk. Yes. Okay. it's. I mean, it's the same 
what you're thinking of Waco is the plot of land we're talking about. Okay. So, like, where the incident happened. Okay. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So, um, basically, when all of that was said and done and over with, Vernon took over as group leader. When he did so, he legally changed his name to David Koresh. That was Vernon? Yeah. Oh, my God! He was a shitey little fucker, wasn't he? <laughs> and he's the one that called the cops on the dude? Yeah. Oh, my God, David. He's the one that wanted to have the child with Lois because he thought it would make her the chosen one or whatever. Oh, my fucking Christ. Yeah. David. Okay, so you were loony, <laughs> my friend. I'm sorry. Okay. Hold up. The actual fuck. So, quoted from Britannica.com. The name David Koresh suggested that he was a spiritual heir of the biblical king David. And that he, like Koresh, which was Hebrew for Cyrus, the ancient Persian king, was a Masonic figure, though not the Messiah Jesus. Cyrus is the only known Jew to whom the title Messiah or Anointed One was given in scripture, other than Jesus himself. Okay. So David Koresh was clearly... Making him, yeah, yeah, you're God, jeez, wow. So, David changed the belief system a bit, and it said that he never actually got the approval to call his group Branch Davidian because the actual like people that started this, like the Seventh day Adventists, Branch Davidians, they were like, uh, no, you don't get to be one. Oh, so none of the original ones even liked him. Well, it wasn't them. It was like, like, we're talking far back before Victor sectored off. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, they were like, no, you don't get to call yourself that. And he's like, yeah, no, we're calling us that. Wow, what the <laughs> hell? He's, I love me some David, though. I know. I love to hate you, David. I really do. <laughs> So, David's teachings were mostly based off of the Bible. However, he had some very warped interpretations of it. Of course he did. As most other religious groups that we've talked about, David started making sense at first. Yeah, of course. And then, you know, his... You know, just far the, left. Yeah. Far, far left. Yeah. <laughs> Real sharp. 90 degrees. So, most of his beliefs involve him claiming to be the lamb from Revelations. (laughs) (laughs) That word. Which, typically, people think of the lamb of God as Jesus, not David Koresh. No, but, yeah, because even in the, I feel like he called himself that a lot, even in the... He did, the lamb, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, David separated the two beings and said that the lamb... David, in this case, Mm -hmm. was set to open the seven seals and read the scrolls that are mentioned in Revelations as well. By doing this, he would be setting forth the end times and fulfilling the revelation of Christ. Huh. Okay. This is a little... seven fucking portals? Seven scrolls. Scrolls. No, seven seals. Seven seals. What? What? Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's in the Bible. I mean, these things, he did pull them out of the Bible. No, he I, just warped them to his own. Well, right. And he's just saying that he can 
He's the one literally that gets to open do them. anything that God could do. Well, and that's his job. His set job is to open the seven seals and read the scrolls and set forth revelations. All right, my friend. Good job. Good luck. Yeah. Um, as a little side note to that, the first installment of David's interpretation of the seven seals was stored on a CD and was in the possession of one of the only survivors of the Waco incident, Ruth Riddle. Mm-hmm. There were 13 pages that had a poem, an introduction, and the first chapter of the seven seals. According to Newsweek, the final line of the introduction is, quote, Gems of the most sacred truth are to be uncovered. Golden promises never before seen are to be brought to buy. For when has grace ever been needed more than now in the time of which we live? They also have a few... Oh, that was the end quote. They also have a few stanzas <laughs> of the poem. And it's... Um, she bird is mine, the hunter said. Twas the bird I raised and fully fed. Twas he bird who released her from her cage. I sought her womb in the youthful age. End quote. Um, okay. Yep. That makes sense. Anyway. <laughs> By being a Davidian, you were to devote your entire life to Christ. So, in like a lot of other cult religions, you were supposed to separate yourself from the material world. Right. Um, you were also supposed to be celibate, unless, of course, you were David. Oh, and that irritates the fuck out of me. He had multiple spiritual wives that he intended to have children with because he believed his children would eventually rule the world and, you know, it would be a happy, godly place to live. Right. Uh, David, on one hand, was doing good things. His practices may have not been very agreeable to a lot of people or even moral, but it was working for this group. Um... They were living as one big family, basically. They were co-raising the children together. They studied the Bible. You know. Right. Things were working out for them. However, on the other hand, David was doing questionable shit. Well, uh, yeah. And his followers were obviously allowing him to do these things. So, David had lots and lots of guns. And lots of ammunition. Like a lot. Like a lot, a lot. And, again, it's controversial because he said that the reason he had these weapons was for protection for his people. Right. But then at the same time, it's like, bro, but that's illegal. Yeah. Like, especially in large amounts like that. Right. And, like, you can't do that. Yeah. It's, no. No, no. <laughs> so, whether there was good for a reason for it or not, it's still illegal at the end of the day. Right. And one of the biggest issues I personally had with David was his many wives. It wasn't so much the fact that he was a polygamist, do what you do, but some of them were teenagers. Right. And well, and some of them were married and... Oh, no. All, like, any of the women there were basically David's No, wives. no, I mean, like, because wasn't the one chick married to the other dude? Oh, yeah. He, like, forced her to marry him, but then... Yeah. It was the whole thing. Yeah, like, it. he, yeah, he was a... David scum. was specific. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> Where did I say? Do, do, do. So, yeah, some of the girls that he was married to were even, like, 16. Some of them may have been a bit younger. I can't remember. I think one of them was, like, 14. I think. I can't remember. 
but they were some of them were pretty freaking young. Yeah. Which that's never okay. I don't care what the fucking circumstances. No. Nope. It's not okay. Nope. So child abuse accusations were made by a former member and uh, they were more heavily looked into when David opened his retail gun store. That's when the FBI really started looking into him and that's really what spawned the investigation that led up to the raid at Mark Mount Carmel that we all know as the Waco incident. Right. Um, the ATF and the FBI were scheduled to serve a warrant, but they chose to make a surprise forced entry instead of waiting to serve the warrant. During this 51-day standoff, David promised to surrender after he was finished writing his seven seals. The law enforcement officers truly thought he was just wasting their time and doubted that he was writing anything in the first place, and they chose not to wait any longer. But, like I said earlier... One of the few survivors had a CD with their first chapter on it, proving that he was, in fact, writing said document. <laughs> After the incident, James Tabor of University of North Carolina and Philip Arnold of the Reunion Institute in Houston assisted the FBI. Um, according to Newsweek, the FBI men were, quote, so ill-versed in scriptures that one thought the seven seals were seagoat seagoing creatures with whiskers oh <laughs> my god <laughs> oh, uh, oh my god so Tabor and Arnold believe that the FBI never actually took David seriously which obviously they never uh, took obviously. David seriously <laughs> the only one that ever did I feel like was the negotiator and the thing was you know, this was extremely important to David. So if they had maybe taken it a little more seriously, maybe things wouldn't have gone so far, you know? Well, there's we a, have a lot, lot of, of things we that have could have gone opinions. differently. Yes. <laughs> uh, they said that David's writing didn't appear to be that of a madman to them, but it was actually pretty well thought out and had reason behind it. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, not that anybody should agree with him, but he had... He could back what he was saying. Yeah, he was probably one of the few that could actually... He wasn't saying that Jesus was an alien that was going to come to Texas. Right. And I mean, you know, the end of the world probably is going to come someday. <laughs> he didn't give a specific date. You know what? It's 2020. Anything could happen at this fucking point. Serious. So. <laughs> um, again, for me, David is really controversial he was living a lifestyle that was more taboo and that people don't really agree with, but he was basing his teachings off of the Bible and taught love and other good, you know, yeah, good, good morals behind. Yeah. Like, he did have good moral grounds up to a point. <laughs> right. And then, you know, that that great old left turn that we love. Yeah, you know, the one where the narcissism comes and in the and he feels the need to... And- yeah, and then he inserts himself into the Bible, like, oh, I'm this person from the Bible. And da, da, da. Like, no, you're not. And like you said, clearly we have a problem with the teenage wife thing. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, from what I could tell, there's really no other signs of child n- abuse or neglect. That I mean, pedophilia is not a fucking K, but he wasn't beating them or neglecting them. or No, and I truly... They weren't dirty. I truly or, don't believe that because even during the whole thing, part of the negotiation was to get the kids milk like right he very much he so loved those kids loved his babies right and it i mean just so he happens killed he himself was 
and then found out they were all dead. Yeah. I mean, it, he loved those children. It's just, he was, he took wives far too young. And I mean, granted that might've been okay way back in the day, but in the nineties it wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, no, that was way too soon of a time for that to be okay. And I didn't really talk about the incident itself because that's really true crimey, but I felt like David deserved his own cult episode, so. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it a million times. That Waco um, miniseries or whatever on Netflix was... There's plenty of documentaries and miniseries and... Yeah, there's so much information. You will all, I'm sure, have your own opinions on everything as we have there's plenty many. of rabbit holes you can find yourself all into so oh and it's so frustrating <laughs> oh, it's so fucking frustrating really on both sides it's extremely it's frustrating so because frustrating. david on one side i'm like david jesus christ just he give was, it up. yeah he was stubborn as fuck but then on the other side fbi did not handle anything properly at all like not even a little bit no not so. from the second that they stepped foot on his property quite literally um yeah well, <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this. We, we never know how to get out of these. It's, it's, yeah. Um, happy fall. Yeah, Start it's of, fall now. We're officially to the downhill, hopefully, of the year. Maybe things will start to get better after the elections are over. God, I can't wait till the elections are over. I don't know. I'm scared either way, to be honest. I'm utterly but. terrified. It's fine. We're going to be fine. Yeah. Everything is fine. As we'll Olaf fine. says, this is fine. Yeah. We'll end it on that. This, this will all fine. make sense when we get older, right? Right? Someday <laughs> soon, this will all make sense. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Well, thanks, as always, for listening. Go check out the social meets. Go check out the website. Email us. Interact. Also, we were thinking about doing, like, a Halloween listeners episode, maybe. So, if you yeah. want to send in some stories, please do. Yeah. We want to do something fun for Halloween. So, send us some stories, um, any paranormal, anything. Anything. Anything Anything that you think might fit. Yeah. Anything <laughs> weird that has happened to you, send it to us. We want to hear it. Yep. For real. Like, please do it. Right now. Yeah. I don't want to have to yell at you guys again. We will okay? give every last one of you a shout out. Seriously. <laughs> I will say your name and... We don't have a ton of people on here, but people will hear it, okay? So do it for us. Right. Okay, thanks. Well, all right. Thanks, guys. Um, It's getting cold, so don't forget. Don't don't leave leave the the house. house. Don't leave the house, dude. I love you.